0: What's up guys, my name is Alex, music director here at The Bridge Church, where our mission is to be for Christ, for community, and for the city. Thanks for tuning in today. We're in a series right now entitled Grab a Towel, where we're diving into what it looks like to serve like Jesus. If this message impacts you at all, please email us at stories at Thanks for watching, and God bless.
1: Every Sunday, God is bringing our city to us. Men, women, children, young, old, dark-skinned, light-skinned, wealthy, poor, it's amazing. Dozens of new people show up every Sunday looking and searching for hope, for love, for a purpose. And we, as God's people, have an incredible opportunity to welcome these guests, roll out the red carpet, do our best to help them experience the best news in the history of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sunday isn't just an opportunity for worship. It's an opportunity for mission. It's an opportunity for the gospel. We get to show up on Sunday and live on mission to the people God is bringing here every week. That's why we park cars. It's why we open doors. It's why we teach kids and lead youth. It's why we grab an instrument, sing in a mic, or slide a fader. We believe everyone has a role to play on Sunday. And that's why the person in the parking lot is just as important as the person on the stage. God is bringing our city to us. And it's time to live like Jesus did and serve the people God is bringing here. It's time to grab A towel well um, this past week I had the incredible opportunity to have a conversation with a guy at Port City Java which is kind of my normal custom during the week uh, week mornings I usually spend my week mornings working on the sermon reading writing preparing for Sundays and as is my custom I was in Port City Java right here in our parking lot which Glory to God! We've got a coffee shop right here in our parking lot. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, and as I was preparing and as I was uh, working this week, I had a conversation with a guy for the first time, and it was a conversation unlike anything I'd ever had before. Uh, he finds out I'm a pastor, and usually when people find out that I'm a pastor, the conversation it just goes pretty crazy. Um, in this specific in- incident, he says, "Oh, you're a pastor." He goes, "Oh, that's that's cool." He said, "Um, hey, uh, I I think he just says, I think Jesus was a gangster." Jesus was a gangster at that point he has my attention <laughs> I'm like Jesus was like what uh hold on you're gonna have to break that down for me a little bit he's, he's like yeah um I, I think Jesus was a gangster and, and I'm like dude what what exactly are you talking about well he's like he's like well Jesus didn't bow down to the government system I was like okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'm I, I, I'm with you he goes he goes Jesus didn't bow down to the religious system I'm like, yeah, okay, that, that's, that's true. He says, uh, Jesus went against the grain of culture. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty much against the grain of culture. He said, Jesus didn't back down from nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He said, Jesus rolled deep wherever he went. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yep, okay, yep, that's true, that's true, okay, that's true. He said, Jesus showed up and he put people in their place. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you're making a pretty good argument at this point. And Jesus said, uh, where he, he said, um, "Last thing he said, he says Jesus. He had his boys, and they turned the system upside down." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, I'm like, all right. I guess you're kind of right. I guess you're kind of right in that situation." And then he says, "You know what? Jesus wasn't just a gangster. He was a godster." And I was like, Poof. "I was like, whoa!" I mean, at that moment, I'm like, "Okay, dude. Okay, I, 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 I got it." Now, here, here's, here's, here's the reality. Here, here's, here's the reality of the situation. If you really know Jesus, not the Jesus that you've made up in your head, but if you really know the true Jesus and who he is, and when you get to know him, he is a radical. I mean, he's just, he's just a radical. I mean, the Jesus that I know, the Jesus that we read in the scriptures, wasn't like a fairy tale Jesus that told cute stories for how to live your life. He was a radical. He was a revolutionary at every point. And when you follow him, when you know him, and when you follow this Jesus, he transforms your entire life. He turns it upside, upside down. He, he isn't cool with the clean, clear-cut, cultural boxes in which we live our lives. Jesus invades your comfort. He invades your conveniences, and he turns your life upside down. And we're going to look at a, a passage today in the scriptures, probably one of the most radical passages in the entire Bible, where Jesus transforms forever the people that follow him. In one moment, he completely transforms their entire reality and what they thought about life. He changes it uh, forever, and we see this here in, in in John chapter thirteen. In John chapter thirteen, beginning in verse. Three. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn there. We're going to be in John chapter 13, and this story unfolds about what Jesus does. He says, he says this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose up from supper, had dinner, ate a meal, ate some supper. He gets up from his seat. He laid aside his outer garments, his extra uh, layers of clothing, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Everybody say, "Grab grab a towel. Grab a towel. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now this is absolutely bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. For those of you who've maybe been Christians for some time, you've heard this story uh, before. But I need to mention to you that this um, was unfolding because of a specific reason, a specific thing that Jesus wanted to do. Luke tells us in his gospel about this same situation that Jesus was at dinner with his disciples and essentially a fight broke out between the disciples about who was going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. Who's going to be at the top? Who's going to sit at his right hand? The disciples believed that very soon, imminently, that Jesus Christ was going to take over and cast out the Roman oppressors and come into the nexus of power in the media's eye. At this point, they were arguing over who is going to have the highest office in the cabinet. Essentially, one of the disciples says, uh, Jesus, I think that I should be the secretary of state in your kingdom Another disciple looks at him and says, no, the best that you deserve is secretary of transportation. That is all that you are worth. You aren't any worth it. And they begin this fighting match, this bickering match over who is going to be the greatest in Jesus kingdom. And the irony of the situation is lost on them. And here they are totally saturated in the world's understanding of greatness and power when they're standing at the very doorstep of the most blatant contradiction of the worldly model of greatness and power in ever there was in all of history. They're standing here and Jesus in this moment thinks, I'm going to do something that will change these guys forever. I'm going to do something that will be unforgettable. I'm going to do something that will completely change the course of their future forever. Now, you have to go back with me for a little bit. I'll take you on a little bit of a, of a journey so that you can get there. In first century Palestine, there weren't black asphalt paved roads. There weren't concrete. You didn't have concrete sidewalks and nice shrubbery on the side, and you didn't have uh, nice shoes. You weren't wearing J's when you were walking around first century Palestine. You were walking around in sandals. You were walking around in sandals, and it was a dirty road. Uh, the d- roads were, were dirt. Throughout the course of the day, your roads, your, your feet, rather, would become very filthy. And here's the nasty part. You may want to close your ears for the next few moments. Not only were humans those who traveled these roads, there were also animals that traveled these roads. If you, had, uh, if you were a, a high roller, you would have animals in which you would travel, maybe you would even have a chariot, or you would have an animal in which to transport your goods from one place to another, from your home to the marketplace, or from town to town. And so walking these streets were thousands of people, as well as many animals, and as you can imagine, at any point in time, an animal can do what an animal does best on the street, Um, which means as you were walking around this first century town and street, you had to watch out for (laughs) landmines. All right, are you with me? I'm trying not to, I'm trying not, uh, and, and you would have to watch where you were walking, and then as well, trash and sewage and everything essentially funneled through the streets, and that was what you walked on on a regular basis. And as was the custom, many homeowners would have in their home a servant of the lowest level or a slave in which the person was responsible to wash the feet of the guest as they came into their home. This servant would be positioned by the door, would have his own water basin or her own water basin, would have her own towel in which they would use to wash the feet of those people that were coming into the home. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus gets up from the dinner after the debate has been going on for several minutes, and he walks over to the servant's seat. At this point, the disciples are like, what is Jesus doing? What, what, what's he doing? Jesus walks over. He begins to kneel down. He grabs the jar of water, which would have been very hard to get at that point, and he grabs the water that is there for the servants, and he grabs the basin, and he pours the water in the the servant's bowl, and then he grabs the servant's towel and throws it around his waist and says, come, let me wash your feet. At this point, the disciples don't know what to think. Never would a rabbi like Jesus, never would a teacher, never would a master, never would Lord or a master of the house stoop so low as to wash the guest feet in his house. At this point, the disciples don't even know what to do. They don't even have categories for what is going on. They're completely knocked off their rocker. They just don't know what is going on. It reminds me of a story that I heard this past week. The President Harry Truman, known as one of the most humble presidents in the history of the United States, a particular story in which he um, had guest, international guests come to the White House, and he wanted to throw a special reception for them. And as his guest came into this specific hall, he was going to have music playing for them as part of the ceremony to welcome them. One of those guests was Winston Churchill. And a specific Marine that day was assigned, he was a pianist, to play for the reception and the ceremony. And he sits down at the grand piano, opens his music, and before he plays, he realizes he doesn't have anyone to change the papers of his music for him to turn the pages and so he offers and asks for a volunteer, would someone please help me and turn my pages for me as I begin to play? And before anyone else could volunteer, guess who volunteered first? President Truman. He gets up from his seat and he says, I can turn the pages for you. And there he stands beside the Marine who's sitting on his bench and turns the pages for him. And not only was this young man privileged to be in the presence of such a Greatness around him, and to be able to perform in such a way for them, he was actually served by the greatest man per se, the most powerful man in the world. In that moment, Truman understood something about the fabric of humanity that the greatest position isn't the position at the top, but is at the position at the bottom. The greatest position, it and how you can climb as high as you can climb, but you can go as low as you can go. And the disciples are changed in this moment forever. They're changed with their understanding of what Christianity is really about. It completely throws them off. God was not above washing their dirty feet. This God, this Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the world, the one who thought it to be, the one who made everything, the one that gave them the very life that they have, stooping down on his knees to wash their dirty feet. It's crazy. This is how one of the disciples responded in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter. Oh, Peter. (laughs) He came to Simon Peter, and we love his energy and his enthusiasm, but sometimes it gets him in trouble. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like, well, hold on just a minute here. What do you think you're doing? This isn't going to happen, Jesus, verse 7. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter says in verse 8, he said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Which, by the way, be careful what you tell Jesus that you'll never do. (laughs) Or what he'll never do. I feel like everything that I've told God that I would never do, I end up doing it. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. This is, this is great. Peter can't figure it out. Peter doesn't even have a category for what's happening in this moment. Peter says, what are you doing at my feet, Jesus? Are you kidding me? This isn't how this is going to go down. This isn't what you do. This isn't the kind of kingdom that I want to be a part of. This isn't the kind of world that I'm dreaming up in my head. This isn't going to go down. Now, in some ways, we can kind of relate to people. I mean, relate to Peter. How many of you hate for people to touch your feet? Just out of curiosity, you're like, people, I just, even my spouse doesn't touch my feet because that's weird, and I don't want them touching my feet. Some of you, I know that, I know that you're here. Some of you don't even like that. This isn't Peter's issue. This isn't why he is weirded out. Peter is not weirded out that someone is touching his feet. Rather, it's that Jesus is in a place of service to him, which means Peter, by uh, necessity, means he is in a place of need. I'll say that again. Jesus is stepping into a place of service to Peter, which makes Peter become in a place of need. Peter doesn't think that he's needy. Peter doesn't want Jesus to do this for him. Peter doesn't want to be in a place where he is receiving from Jesus. Peter doesn't realize what dire straits he's in spiritually or physically. Peter doesn't realize that he needs a dying Savior. Peter doesn't realize that he needs a foot-washing Savior. And therefore, he has a great trouble understanding and receiving what Jesus is giving to him. The person that is at the place of the table in honor doing something so strange for him and Peter says, Jesus, get up. You don't need to do this to me. I don't need this. You know, I find it interesting that one of the hardest things for many of us to do in life is actually to receive a blessing. You're going, you're going crazy, your kids are going crazy, your house is in a wreck. Somebody in community the community group texts you hey let me come over and I can help you. We'll help you. I'll help you clean it up. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. You got a project. You got a project at work, and you are like over your head. You're drowning in this project. And a coworker says, "Hey, you want me to come by and I can help you out and I can I can do it with you and we can make it." No, 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 no. No, no. I'm fine. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I don't I don't need your help. In that in that moment, we actually don't want to be in a place of need in which we we need someone else to step in. You see you see what's going on here. We we want to be we've been taught our entire lives that we're great and we're going to be great and We're going to be the best and we're going to make it to the top regardless of what anybody else thinks And that is our passion that is our drive That is our purpose in life and we're going to be the greatest that we can be And so therefore we don't want to be in a place where we feel like we need need and help We want to be helping others. No, no, no. I'm good. Let me help you No, i'm, okay. Let, Let me i'll show up to your house and let me help clean your your house Do you know that um, Jesus is demonstrating for Peter the essence of the gospel in in this moment? Here's, Here's a quick summation of the gospel. You and I, from the time we were born, are 180 degrees heading away from God. It's not like you kind of veered off the path. No, we are 180 degrees going away from God. Our entire lives, we have wanted to be our own God. We have wanted to be our own Lord. We have wanted to be our own Savior. We got this. We're good. I don't need you, God. I can figure it out on my own. We're going 180 degrees away from God. The gospel is this. You have to turn 180 degrees from the way that you were going and turn to God and say, I need you, God. That's the God. You have to say, I need you because I don't have what it takes. I need you to step into my life. Here's what that requires, humility. It requires humility. It requires you to recognize that you are in a place of need. Do you know that's why so many of you came to Christ when you were at the bottom? Your life was wrecked, Your life was out of control. You were a hot mess, and you didn't know where to turn to, and the only thing that you had to turn to was Jesus, and you turned to him. And he came into your life, and he changed your life. He forgave you. He made, your, made you new. But you had to get to the bottom. See, it isn't until we get to the bottom that we recognize that we need somebody to come and step in. I got this, God. I got it under control. I don't need you. I'm a pretty good person. I hear people all, 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 all the time. They're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ethan, you're a pastor? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I belong to X, Y, and G, Z church. Yeah, we're, um, yeah. I'm, you know, Ethan, I, people feel like they have to prove themselves. I'm a pretty good person, you know, at the end of the day. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Who's perfect? None of us are perfect, but I'm a pretty good person at the end, end of the day, you know And I, you know, I don't sleep around on my wife and I pay my taxes and provide for my kids and you know I'm pretty good. You know, I come to church. I do the religious thing a little bit I get some of that, you know, because you know help helpful and help my kids and all that stuff But Ethan, I'm a pretty that's essentially saying i'm good I'm good. I, I got what it takes I, I get a little spirituality in my life, but at the end of the day i'm i'm good. Here's the gospel I am not good I am wrecked, I am broken, and I don't have what it takes, and I need Jesus. I need Jesus to come and to step into my life and change me and to transform me. It takes humility. It takes humility. You've got to bear your soul before God and say, I need you. And some of you have grown up In homes where everything was cookie cutter and perfect and you had everything that you need and you had all the money that you need And you got into the great schools and you got into the great athletic team And you have been your entire life with everything that you need served on a silver platter But one day you're gonna hit the bottom and recognize that you need a savior You need a savior to come into your life and to change you and to give you hope And to give you peace and to give you meaning and to give you joy and to give you what none of those other things could provide You and peter's like I don't need you jesus And Jesus says, if I don't do this for you, you don't share with me. I wonder if Peter didn't think that his feet were dirty. (laughs) Feet aren't that dirty, Jesus. I clean my own feet. I wonder today if you recognize and you believe that your feet are dirty spiritually. Your feet are filthy. You got stuff below your toenails. In between your toes, dirty ankles, the bottom of your feet are, are nasty. Do you, do you believe that you have dirty feet today? Um, and then do you believe that you don't have what it takes to clean them? That only Jesus can do that. It's not until that moment that you do that and you recognize that you actually share with Jesus maybe today, the, the call for you today, um, maybe the call for you isn't to grab a towel. It's just to receive what Jesus has done for you today. To walk in him and to receive, to humble yourself enough to sit in a chair and let Jesus wipe your feet. And he'll do that today. He loves you. He's here for you. He's, he wants to wash your feet. He wants to clean you. He wants to wash your life and to make you new. That's what he is best at. That's why he came. That's why he came. And Peter doesn't quite get it. He doesn't quite understand. He doesn't really want it. He doesn't know what is going on. And he tells Jesus that he doesn't need it. And then look at this verse 12. Our last part of the passage, it says this. When he, Jesus, had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, puts his coat back on, resumed his place, sits back at the dinner table, and he says to them, all right, guys, this is why I did what I just did. Do you understand what I have done to you? Half of them are like, I got no clue. That was the weirdest thing that I've ever been a part of. You touched my feet. That is weird. I don't know what is going on. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. He admits and he claims that he is Lord. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. No, Jesus, did you have to go there? You see, Andrew, are you serious? You want me to wash Andrew's? Have you seen that guy's toes? You sure you want me to wash, like, Andrew's feet? No, and Philip, you sh- I have to wash his feet now? And Jesus says, as I have done this to you, you ought also to do to one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you. If you do them Jesus is ultimately trying to teach them here a larger principle He isn't trying to teach them the principle about dirty feet rather He is trying to teach them the principle about taking the low place about serving others It's the complete opposite of our culture We have been hardwired from birth to try to figure out how to go high How to make it to the top how to scratch and claw and do whatever we have to do to be the best which we have a cultural obsession with greatness. you got to be the greatest that you can be. Where do we get that from? Where, where do we get that from? you got to make it to the top. Who taught us that? Where is, where is that coming from? I think we have to stop and ask the hard question of why we are doing what we are doing. Let me ask you this, college students. Um, why are you in college? Think about that for a second. Why are you in college? What is the purpose of it? You're like, well, I mean, everybody else goes to college, so that's a high price for just doing what everybody else does. Well, well, I mean, we, I go to college because um, you know I get good good grades, and that'll help me get a good job. Okay, most people don't actually work in their field of study, but hey, you know, a degree. Okay, so you got a degree. And it's going to help you get a good job. Um, Why do you need a good job? Well, I mean, yeah, I need, I need, I got to have money. I got to have, I got to have money. You know, I got to, I got to have some dollar bills, you know, so I can have the house that I want, the car that I want. And, uh, you you know, okay. okay. And and I got to provide for my family. And, you know, I got to live the life, you know, that I think, okay, why do you have to have the house? Why do you have to have the car? Why do you have to have the family? What's, what's, what's the purpose? I don't know. I think we have to ask the question of where are we going? What is the destination? What is the end goal? What is the purpose of your life? Like, and most of us, I wanna be the greatest. Why? That does not come from Jesus. And I do wanna say it's okay to be successful. I, I, I hope everybody in the room is successful. I hope y'all all get 4.0s this semester, all right? I'm just gonna speak that blessing over your life. Like. <laughs> I hope you get, I hope you kill it. Yeah. I hope you, I, I hope if you are a real estate agent here today that you sell the heck out of some houses, all right? I just, I hope that you are extremely successful. I, I hope that if you are a business owner, you're, you're the top business owner in Wilmington. I think that would be uh, amazing. If you are a stay-at-home mom, I hope you take care of them kids like crazy this semester. <laughs> I hope you knock it out of the park. I hope you win mom of the year award because you go, awesome, it's it's okay to be successful, but we have to ask the question, why and where am I going? You know, where, where am I going? What is the purpose of my life? What, what is the end goal? And these guys, these disciples, and we're just like them, and we want to get to the top, and we want to have the right seat and the right position and the right platform. And Jesus fundamentally turns their life upside down, and he says, go wash other people's feet. That's the new mission for your life. Go wash people's feet. He completely changes the game on them. But I want you to believe this today. Some of you feel guilty. You're like, dang, what is he getting ready to ask me to do? Some of you are feeling bad. You're like, man, Ethan is really piling on the guilt today. He's piling on the obligation. Man, I feel terrible about my life. I don't do anything like that. Here's what I want you to believe. Jesus is not just trying to pile up obligations on your life. Jesus is trying to give you the true true path to freedom. He's trying to give you the true path to freedom. He's wanting you to first find your love and your acceptance and your approval in him. And that in him, you receive everything that you need for life and joy and satisfaction and identity and fulfillment. You already have received it in him. And then once you find that in him and you find that acceptance in him, that frees you from the need of feeling like you have to have anything else. And as well, when you find true freedom in Jesus, it gives you the ability to follow him and to live like him, which means to lay your life down for others, to lay your life down for the people that are around you. And this is the only way out. This is the only way out of the matrix of our culture it's the only way until you lose your life that you actually find it. And he says in verse 17, that the blessing is in the serving. If you do these things, then you are blessed. Some of us like to bypass the product in order to receive the blessing, but the way that Jesus has instituted is, is that part of the process is receiving the blessing. It's not until you serve that you are actually receive or that you actually receive the blessing that I have for you. Which means, when we make that, The hub of our life, the hub of our being, the vortex of our life. If you make this thing central to your life, it brings you into a blessing unlike anything you have ever experienced, if you have received it. And so let me just ask you today, has Jesus ever done this for you personally? I'm not talking to the person that is beside you. I'm talking to you. Has Jesus ever done this for you personally? Have you ever let Jesus wash your feet? Have you ever let him cleanse you of the deepest, darkest places in your life and make you new? He can wash you today. He can cleanse you today. He can make you new today. And if Jesus has done that for you today, then are you following in his example for others and washing others' feet? Here's the reality. I want everyone in our church to grab a towel. I want everyone in our church to grab a towel and to serve the people that are around you. And I not only want you to serve these people that are around you or some ethereal person that you might may find on the street tomorrow i want you to serve here our body and what god is doing here on sundays i want every single person to have and feel like they've got an opportunity to grab a towel and to be a part of what god is doing here on sundays here's the crazy thing like dozens of new people are showing up to the bridge every sunday i mean it's just it's just nuts i don't know how it happens pastors have conversations about how these things happen We don't know how they happen at the end of the day, but new people are showing up to the bridge on a weekly basis. People's lives are being changed on a weekly basis. God is bringing our city to us. It just doesn't make sense. And for those of you who are Christians, you like trying to figure out ways how to live your life intentionally on mission to help the people around you know the gospel. And God's like, I'm just going to bring them to you on a weekly basis on on Sunday, Which which means what we are doing on Sunday. It's a gospel opportunity. It's a gospel opportunity to grab a towel and to help someone maybe park a car or get their kids checked in or to have an experience in which they understand and hear the gospel and experience God work in their life. Every single person that walks through that door is looking for hope and purpose and meaning. And we want to do the best that we can to make sure that they experience the gospel. i want to read this story to you and then we will wrap it up. Story of a guy that just came a couple weeks ago and I won't mention his name, but he came a couple weeks ago, and um, he sent us a note online, and I haven't had the opportunity to meet him yet. If you're here, I'd love to meet you afterwards, Um, and he says this. It's a crazy story. He says, I visited the bridge today for the first time, and I felt God speak to me and open my eyes in a way I've never experienced. My whole life, I've grown up in a Christian home and had always looked at myself as a Christian. However, I've been living a life full of sin and drifting farther and farther from God. I joined the Marine Corps and stopped attending church regularly and instead took up earthly pleasures such as drinking and other things. I quickly learned that earthly desires do not make you happy, and I have recently felt more miserable than I have ever felt in my life. I recently switched duties stations to Camp Lejeune, and I decided I would give church another try. Something about the bridge just jumped out to me as I was looking online, which, praise God, for a website. And so after a Saturday of drinking... I got up Sunday and went to church. Pastor Ethan started talking about the two ways God is with you, being all present and also having the Holy Spirit, if you've repented and accepted him into your life. Something stirred in me, the whole message, and at the end I realized that I was not living with the Holy Spirit and that while I know of God and know all the Sunday school answers, I was not experiencing a relationship with God because I had never truly committed my life to him. I decided right there that I'm going to make a change. And I asked God to fill me with his love and Holy Spirit, and I repented of my sins. And I ask you to pray for me that I make the right changes in my life, that I follow the Holy Spirit and start living the life Christ wants me to live. Thank you for helping open my eyes, and I look forward to growing in my faith with your church. Isn't that awesome? Mm. So let me help you. Let me help you. Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to have a role. I want everybody to have an opportunity. I want everybody to grab a towel on Sunday, specifically on Sunday. I want you to grab a towel and help out with what we are doing. Some of you have some questions, so let me answer some of those questions. Someone may ask, what if I don't have time? Ethan, I'm like, and I get it. Some of you are like, man, I just barely found my pants this morning and got here in time. Like, like And you are you sure? Like, you sure you want me to show up? And I just, some of you are like, I just don't have there's no, I don't have, I work 100 hours a week. There isn't any time for me to come, any extra, and actually help out. Well, here's what I would want to encourage you with today. Um, all of us make a time for the things that are most important to us. Either you will plan your life or someone else will. Either you will prioritize the things in your life or someone else will. And at the end of the day, this is God's mission. This is God's plan A for the world. Look around. It's you and me. This is what he is doing in the earth. It is you and me. And so what are you prioritizing right now? Grab an hour. Get an hour. Get a couple hours and help. Grab a towel. You can do it. Well, here's another question. Well, what if I can't do every Sunday? Great. That's okay. It that doesn't matter to me. One Sunday, two Sundays, three a month, four a month. Whatever, whatever you can do, just grab a towel and jump in. You can do one Sunday a month, two Sundays, whatever is good for you. Just just grab um, a towel. Well, here's another one. Well, what if I have young kids? God bless you. I mean, if you've got young kids, I mean, like, I know, I mean, I know what it's like. I've got three kids. They're almost the ages of seven, five, and three. It's like, and then Ashley has to do it all by herself on Sunday mornings. God bless her soul. Kids are whining. They're crying. They're half naked. You can't get clothes on them. They're running around the house. They got snot coming out of one nose. They got something else coming out of another Oh I mean, they're just going crazy. And you like, barely show up on Sunday. You check them into the bridge kids and you're like, I'm just grateful to be here. And it's like 45 minutes after the worship gathering started, and you're like, I'm just, I'm just glad to be here. Like, and I just want to say, I get it, all right? I get it. You got, you got young kids. We're gonna, we'll help you as much as we can, all right? And I'll say, maybe get creative. We've got moms that come during the week, and they bring their kids, and they do stuff with rich kids and, and here to make sure things are ready for Sunday. And so they're participating in Sunday by helping getting things ready. And I, want just, I just want to say this, your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you. So what if it was a sacrifice, but what if your kids, through the process, learned about sacrificial living because of the way that you're living? What would that do for them? Maybe you can get creative. Maybe there's an opportunity for you. Here's another one. Um, What if I serve in other ways outside Sunday? I serve the city. I serve my community group. I serve this person when they have X, Y, or Z happen to them, and this person and that person. That's fantastic. That's great. We all should be doing that. As well, let's all grab a towel and be a part of Sundays. Let's grab a towel and be a part of Sundays, too. It's not just during the week. It's just not Monday. It's Sunday as well. well here's another question. Well, what, if, what if I don't know what my gifts are and what team I should be on? Just grab a towel. You know, Just grab a towel. We'll help you. Some of you, like, there's a card in the, in the seat back, and you're like, guest services. What is that? Like if I stand at the door and someone asks me a question, but what if I don't know the answer to the question? What if it's a theological question and what if it's a spiritual question? I don't know how to answer that. What am I going to do whenever they ask me the question that I need to we'll help you Okay, we got your back. All right. We'll figure it out together. You're not going to be alone We'll help you do it. And so just just grab a towel and jump in. Well, here's another one. What if I'm not a covenant member? That's cool like, just serve. You don't have to be a covenant member to serve. There's a few positions that are leadership positions that require covenant membership. But by and large, the lion's share of opportunities and positions, they're open to everybody. All right, well, here's another question. What if I'm not a Christian? Great. Just come serve. Sometimes you got to belong before you believe. Sometimes you just got to build some relationships and step in there. So, hey, just help us out. Park a car. Hold a, hold a door. Do do whatever. Just be a part of the game. You're welcome to. Well, here's another question. Am I needed? Ah, kind of. Amen. Kind of. I mean, in some sense, yes. And in some sense, no. like we, we'll get it covered. Like we don't need you at the end of the day. I mean, we can make it happen. This isn't about us needing you to serve. It's about you needing you to serve. This is about the blessing for you, not the blessing for us. This is about you taking the step that is ultimately good for you and for your family and for your life. So do we need you or do we need you to serve? Eh, kind of. You need you to serve. And here, and here's the last one. What if I've served in the past and had a bad experience? Been a part of the some other church, and it went south, and I got burned out, and I was overwhelmed, and it was terrible, no no one ever told me they loved me, or that I did a good job, or maybe you're here, and you're like, I served on this team, and like, it was poor leadership, and the system was terrible, and I tried to show up, but I couldn't, because it was this, and this, and I just had a bad experience, or somebody said this to me while I was serving, and I just couldn't take it, and I've had a bad experience, I just want to say, I'm sorry, I I am, I'm sorry, It's 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 a messy church, all right, it's a messy church. That won't be your last bad experience. You'll have another bad experience, okay? You, you will. And I will, if you were at the bridge long enough, I will offend you. I will make you mad. Not intentionally. I'll just say something dumb that offends you, okay? And I'm sorry. It's a messy church. It isn't perfect here, all right? And at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's... some of you didn't clap. You're like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that point. It's going to be, it's going to be a messy road. It's going to be a rocky road, but we're going to figure it out together because this is the mission of God and we're doing what Jesus has called us to do. Okay. All right. Well, here's, here's how I want to close. Cool video one of our members stepping in and serving specifically in student ministry. And so I wanna see you the, show you the impact of what happens when you serve. Turn your attention to the screens.
2: My name is Zayshawn Daniels and I've been coming to Bridge Students for a year now.
0: Uh, I'm Forrest Anderson uh, and I've been a Bridge Students leader for about a year. I really like Bridge Students because um, it allows me to uh, connect with Um, our group on a way that, to see the depth of the students that I wouldn't have guessed at before. um, I think it's really cool, the relationship that a lot of these students do have with Jesus. Really the personal relationships with, uh, with each student has been super rewarding and something that I could just feel really blessed to be able to do.
2: He's like a second father to me, like he's there if I need him. So like, if I need help or if, I get in trouble, he usually talks to me or he'll help me out.
0: Because It's not just kind of like talking to an age group, it's talking to like specifically Zay or specifically the other kids um, because we've just gotten to know y'all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I really didn't used to pray like every night and like I used to like pray every morning, but now I get up and if I like, it clicks in my brain, most of the times like four out of five, days I'll pray in the morning and at night. When you come, you feel welcomed and you feel like you have a place here. So you feel like if you come back, you wanna come back every Sunday.
0: Bridge students allow me to live life with people more than just sort of um, showing up and talking. Every one of us can think back to how we were at that age and I think you bring a lot of insight from um, what, what you needed at that age. and who you needed and so just come and be that person for them and it's super fun.
2: If you're on the fences of not coming, you should just come and see what we're about and I'm telling you you'll like it.
1: Every time you grab a towel, you change someone's life. And so I want to encourage you to do that. You're going to have an opportunity later, uh, just in a couple minutes in the worship gathering, to fill out this next step card. Say, man, I want to serve on Sundays or whatever it is. Check a few boxes. If you don't know what boxes to check, we'll help you out at the next steps. Tent, okay? So church, um, God's going to do this. God's doing, we're, he's transforming um, our church and what he wants to continue to do in the future. Okay? Pray with me. Father, we thank you today for... The unbelievably beautiful demonstration that we see in Jesus of the way that we should live our lives and the way that the gospel changes us and the way that the gospel impacts everything that we do. So God, I ask that you would create in us a church that loves to grab a towel and to step in and to serve and to help. So Lord, would you lead us and would you help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.